Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. For uh, spending your time and giving us your audience as we continue to deliberate issues of national importance. You know, I, I often say we live in a very colorful, uh, colorful country, uh, you know, from Zondo Commission with all its glorious testimonies to shocking uh, amount of allegations by the likes of Tokisokale on mysterious funds that has been deposited and depleted uh, to the resident. And so that's, the, that's how colorful and that's how interesting you know, our, our social political landscape look like. Uh, anyway, if you list and if you miss any of our episodes, uh, not to worry, simply visit our website, which is www.highfm.com to download any of the podcasts and share your views with us. Uh, SMS line is 34519. Telegram is 0618951019. And of course, I do welcome your thoughts and your views via the Twitter handle, which is at Mbele Nimrod. On our menu tonight, I will reflect, uh, briefly on the Allegations leveled by Khal in terms of its veracity or lack of. Um, for our main co- for our main course in terms of the conversation, I'll be joined online uh, by Solomoto Munobi, who is a former uh, consul general to Italy. I will cross uh, swell and um, Sol to, ref- to indulge us a little bit on his experience as a consul general to Milan, well in Italy. And I'll, if, if also time permits us, I will also secure his indulgence on how he perceives or what are the, uh, you know, in, what are the critical issues as it relates to integration African markets through the continental free trade agreement. So there, there's quite a lot, um, that we'll try and cover with a bit of time while we endeavor to endure the mental for doing a sterling work. Uh, in the same token, allow me to thank uh, the producer of the show, Kabisa Ngobe, as well as Lucy Simon. Colleagues, thank you very much for organizing the show. Uh, everything is seems to be doing without any glitches as expected. As we move swiftly, uh, I must say, I found Tokyo Sehwale's, uh, you know, a story very interesting in so many levels. Um, and there are real lessons for you and I here. What comes to mind, I mean, you know, when the story surfaced uh, two, three days ago, um, I had a conversation with the, uh, you know, one of the, you know, uh, a key member or a regular contributor to the show, Ellen McCorkey, uh, who is the CEO at Saki. And, and we, we're sort of sharing notes on the merits and demerits of these allegations. In our reflections, uh, we pondered on the following critical questions, which you and I perhaps maybe are worthy just to reflect on when somebody says to you, there's this billions of rents, you know, that has been transferred and, uh, you know, a few individuals are lining up their pockets. You know, obviously that's in the best interest of the nationhood. And there are definitely questions that will rise eyebrows and get the tongue wangling. You know, when we look at this, you know, uh, issues, I mean, we did a quick uh, you know, summation of the math. For an example, if you have about 15 million grant recipients, whom you're paying, well, based on Tokyo, about 2,700 rents, that gives you uh, approximate 40.5 billion rents per month. You multiply that 40.5 billion rents uh, by 12. It gives you about 486 billion per year. It doesn't raise eyebrows, hey, you know, 
Um, as if that's not enough, you know, he says, no, there's a lot in it. There's more in a kitty. I mean, really, there's more in a kitty to find what? To find speed uh, bullet trains, to find or retire all student debts, which apparently is in the region of over 10, 10, 10 billion rands to find free education, as if that's not enough to find uh, in battle SOEs. Jeez, I mean, I mean that that in any sober mind individual, any critical or cynical individual for that matter, those kinds of line items. Um, I would, I, and I wouldn't mind if perhaps maybe there's just one item, uh, which the so-called you know uh, fund that is that made reference to will fund one item. Say for an example, free education. You know. But you're talking free education, you're talking in battle SOEs, you want to retire all the student debts, uh, you want to fund, you know, uh, bullet trains, you want to fund uh, grant recipients, my goodness, that's just, you know, at the face value. I mean, you don't have to be super smart in my mind. You don't have to be super smart at all to understand the gravitas of, of that kind of money. I mean, I thought then I realized, no, there's something here. There's something not, something doesn't make sense here. Something just not make sense here. Because, um, you know, one of the things that, that, that was brought into question was the credibility of our financial, financial environment, the credibility of the Reserve Bank and the credibility of the, the entire banking sector that we could have this benevolent, uh, you know, so, with this, you know, endless, you know, to fund all these things. I mean, I, it just did not make history and the Reserve Bank, of course, and had to respond because Tokyo is not an ordinary folk. He's a highly respected business person and a member of the ANC. So surely the, the, the Treasury and the Reserve Bank had to take a position. And they've argued that, look, I mean, this, this so-called heritage fund does not exist, never existed. And, you know, Tokyo has been a, a, a product of scam, you know, and, and, and what even made things worse is the fact that he implicated, at uh, least from the inside point of view, that, you know, all the ministers of finance knew about this fund, uh, and both presidents knew about this fund. I mean, really, that, that in my mind, in anybody's mind, as we're looking at the numbers, because I was interested in numbers and the extent to which these numbers made sense. You know, and they just did not add up. And when you look at the, some of the political, um, analysts, the likes of Prince Mashile, uh, for example, I mean, they'd obviously punch holes from a particular perspective, uh, of which I'm not privy to, 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 or I may not, uh, you know, uh, promote that, uh, because this is their own perception. This is their own perception. What is key based on their own observation is the fact that they perceive him a theatrical person, you know, a person who strives on drama, mm-hmm. so to speak. I mean, um, is it true or not? You go, you make a judgment call. Um, and others are also saying he obviously wants to um, um, instigate uh, or cut apart his, you know, presidential ambitions. And he just needed to stay the pot a little bit, you know. When you stay the pot, create controversies and everybody jumping up and down. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You know, and he's got something here. And it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem like that gun has, you know, has, is, there's anything, you know, uh, worthy of taking to light. But be that as it may, 
but that is a, at the face value. Our responsibilities, uh, those in a know-how, is to, in, you know, is to interrogate, um, um, these issues at the back of, um, you know, our financial systems, our financial control, our regulations, and, and ask very basic questions. What is a track record? Or what, what is the, what is the, how has this thing happened before? Is there any precedent? Uh, how, how was this thing managed? And is there such a thing? I mean, what came to mind as, as I was thinking this issue, particularly over the weekend, I mean, is the fact that, um, you know, uh, you need to get your facts correct, lest you embarrass yourself. If you have anything of substance or perceived to be of substance, you better get your facts correct if you don't embarrass yourself. That's one key lesson for me. The other lesson for me is that um, if you don't get, if if your credibility, if all you have is credibility, again, get your fact correct. Because without your credibility, there's nothing attached to your name. There's absolutely nothing attached to your name. And I'm also keen to know which is something that didn't come out in the conversation that I've had with, with Tokyo, uh, when he was interviewed on air and some of the commentary and what have you. I didn't hear, um, what were the conditions? Because you cannot get any grant. There's nobody who could give you free money. There's, there's no free lunch. There's got to be, there has to be some conditions. And I didn't pick up any. Personally, you did. If you picked up any condition, please share with us. Our SMS line is 34519. Telegram is 0618951019. If you've picked up any conditions or any narrative that spoke to how this thing works around and what have you. Um, and it will be interesting to hear because that for me also raised alarm bells. Look, the reality is that South Africa is in a tight spot. We all know that we're not a hunky-dory uh, country from a governance point of view. I mean, that's why I've got the, the state uh, inquiry, purely because... You know, our governance infrastructure, architecture, it's been, it's been brought to question. We are in the process of redeeming ourselves through the Zondo Commission. But be as it may, we are not a, we are not a banana republic. That's my, that's my, that's my contestation. We are not a banana, banana republic because if we were, um, these kinds of transfers that were made into the Reserve Bank, I mean, they would have been married if we do not have, uh, uh, you know, tight controls. Anyway, that's my view. What is your view? It's interesting to hear your thought process, um, as I'm sure you have a particular perspective of you, given the fact that, uh, you know, the Turkey-Sahali issue has really uh, got tongue wangling across the across the country, as it were. Uh, anyway, as we move on, uh, I'm quite uh, excited to have, uh, in the midst of our conversation tonight, with Sol Mulobi uh, for gracing the show with his presence. Uh, for those who don't know Saul Mulobi, he's the former Council General to Italy and currently group executive at Brain Hill Africa and, and also group chairperson. On that note, let me take a breath and welcome, you know, Saul for, um, you know, welcome Johnny, welcome Saul to, to, to the show. My brother, how are you and good evening? Good evening, my brother, and good evening to all your listeners. And thank you for having me on this show. I tell you what, the pleasure is certainly mine, and I hope the listeners will uh, enjoy the, the kind of conversation that's about to ensue. Um, you know, uh, for those who may 
have interest uh, in the lives of of uh, Saul, please do wait in our conversation. He's a former uh, in a council to uh, to Italy. I'm sure you have had an encounter with him, or you intend to establish a network with him. Um, he's a very gentle soul, based on my experience. He would love to have your your. You love to take your calls or your conversation, whatever issue that you might have, uh, whether with Italy or any of the European countries, uh, as it were. The SMS line is three four five one nine. Telegram is also six one eight nine five one zero one nine. On that note, um, Saul, as we start, as somebody who's listening to this show tonight and who may not have a slightest idea of who Saul is. Um, how would you define yourself? Who is Saul? And, and how you ended up as the Consul General to Italy? Okay. Um, I define myself as one of the thought leaders on, on brand management. Um, but with particular specialization on competitive identity of of cities of 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 regions of provinces of countries and also developing con- competitive identity for products for services for for personalities and institutions in general in short I'm a brand architect but my my main is interest is on how cities, provinces, and countries, including the continent, can brand position themselves in such a way that they could be perceived by by investors as viable destinations for foreign direct investment and for tourism. But I also help uh, manufacturers and service providers, uh, particularly those who own uh, intellectual property on their innovations, to package them into brands. And beyond that, then I try to open foreign market access for such brands. And this is very exciting. Uh, You have just indicated that we live in interesting times. Indeed not only in South Africa, but the continent as a whole, more especially that we are now talking about integrating Africa into one free trade area through the implementation of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. Uh, why I was chosen to go to to Milan, um, perhaps the, the, the gods and God will be best qualified to to answer that question. But I, I would say that uh, for the past 20 years, say from 2001 up until June 2020, I served in government, either working for a government department such as the Department of Trade and Industry, or the Office of the Premier Limpopo, or the Department of International Relations and Cooperation in Pretoria. Or working for a parastatal, I entered the public sector through telecom, and then I ended up working for trade and investment Limpopo, and my last assignment was with Houghton Growth and Development Agency, as a group executive for trade, 
investment and regulatory enablement. So in short, I could say the past 20 years I was in the public service, it was mainly about brand positioning South Africa as a viable destination for for foreign direct investment and for for tourists to to visit our shores. And beyond that, even when I was in Italy, then I looked at uh, positioning South African uh, products and at one stage also the made in Africa uh, service and product brands are palatable to to the Italian market. So I was, uh, it's a privilege, in fact, to have been um, appointed a consul general based in, in in Milan, but responsible for the the entire northern Italian, Italian regions, which are the economic hub of Italy. Because if you divide Italy into two, the northern part is the economic engine, and the, the southern part where you have Rome, Napoli, and Sicily, and other other provinces, it is it, it is mainly depending on the economy generated by the north. And as such, uh, the, the economy is, is basically agrarian or agricultural. And in in cities like Napoli, then you you have the problem of the mafia. In Sicily, you have the problem of the Comora. So I would say, whilst in Milan, I was driving the economic diplomacy of our country, where we facilitated the number of investments that came into the country, particularly in the area of renewable energy. No, thank you very much, Absol, uh, uh, for the yet uh, interesting insight as you give a perspective uh, uh, you know, uh, on how you ended up where you are. If you've just joined us, we're having a conversation with, uh, with, with Saul, who used to be the consul general to Italy, giving us a perspective or rather a reflection on how we end up where he ended, where he, where, where he ended up at. Uh, if you want to have a, a question for Saul, please, uh, put it through. Uh, our SMS line is 34519 or via the telegram, which is 0618951019. Um, you know, so, I mean, you've painted a very interesting and fascinating picture about the kind of work that you've done. I mean, I would imagine as Consul General, you, you, you obviously from a branding position because, um, all the ambassadors, um, the, 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 the at the heart of or cutting out to the uh, deployment, so to speak, it is that of, um, and, and it is that of, Heightening or promoting the brand, which is SA Inc., uh, if, if you like. Um, I'm sure when you got there, there was, there was a, a particular perception or view of how South Africa has been viewed by Italians. And, and you obviously had to work around, um, uh, how to promote that particular, uh, view of the Italian. When you got there, based on what you've inherited, how was South Africa perceived by broader Italian uh, market, if as well? Yeah, perhaps just to say, um, be be the most important thing is that whilst I was active in the trade and investment space in the country, 
And I also served as a spokesperson of the Department of International Relations and Cooperation. And at one stage, I was the chief director for marketing communications at the Department of Trade and Industry. I traveled uh, extensively, attending many multilateral for us, such as your World Trade Organization or your United Nations um, uh, assemblies. And yes, I, I, I have a postgraduate diploma from IMM in, in uh, Graduate School of Marketing. And my dissertation then was looking at how the, the FIFA World Cup of 2010 impacted on building the brand equity of the country. And by then I was zooming in on a small host city like, like Bulugwani. And then I, I do have another master's in dramatic art from West University. Then I have a master of science in global marketing from the University of Liverpool. So, the, the global marketing um, uh, aspect, uh, coupled with my experience of dealing with international media, trying to communicate uh, our South African story, very much prepared me for my diplomatic posting to, to Italy. And when I got there, I because at the Department of International Relations and Cooperation, I was the head of public diplomacy before Mr. Clayson Munyelawa was brought in. So uh, public diplomacy became my passion. And within public diplomacy, then I was pursuing economic diplomacy, talking to investors. Basically, public diplomacy means you need to engage with non-state actors, uh, such as business, such as civil society, academic institutions where you can sell the, your country very positively. So I was able to tap into all those networks uh, very, very easily, particularly even the... On that the, note, on that note, Saul, um, can you do me a favor because, and I don't want to, because we have to pay our bills and, and it's important that you just hold on from that end Let's go to commercials. Once you come back from commercials, we'll proceed from when you have left them because I think you've given us a very interesting position which uh, use as a depository that fed out that, that almost like uh, um, it prepared you for the kind of work that you've done, which is quite fascinating. Can you just hold on for a second? We'll see. Let's take a break and we'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. If you've just joined us, we are joined online by Saul Mulobi, who is the former uh, Consul General to Italy and who is currently the current, um, who is currently the CEO at Brand Hill Africa, as well as the group uh, chairperson. Before we went to the break, um, you know, what stuck to mind um, is, you know, the concept of fit for purpose. Um, you know, we have seen and heard particularly the so-called deployed cadres who are not really uh, uh, meeting the requirements. And, and to be honest with you, um, so my, my sense, you've sort of um, created a bit of confidence um, um, based on what I've picked up 
um, you know, in, uh, earlier that you were not just only academically qualified. You have done so much work um, that was in the space of uh, international relations, both at DECO uh, and so on and so forth. So your deployment or your your, your posting, to talk over the better word, was somehow uh, relevant or appropriate for the sector that you were uh, uh, requested to, to 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 fulfill. That for me speaks to what we refer to as fit for purpose. I mean, I could imagine, you know, you were not like, a, you were not found wanting, uh, because unfortunately that has been an experience of some of the, the, the deployments that you've seen in government. Um, you know, meritocracy, we often spoke about merit, the extent to which there is an alignment and concurrence between the incumbent as well as the function. I am absolutely convinced based on what you have uh, told us this evening, that you were a candidate that was better positioned to promote what was in the best interest of the country as it were. Uh, anyway, that's my submission. Uh, as we come back, um, you know, take us through how you, 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 you use this kind of background to, to, to brand the South Africa, um, you know, to, to the level that we wanted to see, uh, I suppose that's, that's obviously work in progress. But one thing that you haven't responded to me, uh, based on my earlier question, Saul, is what was the perception about South Africa from the Italian? And you obviously needed to work around, based on what you've articulated earlier, you needed to, to craft a strategy which would enhance the, the brand equity of the country based on how it was consumed or based on how it was perceived. Can you take us through that, please? Yeah. Um, South Africa being being part of Africa, and Africa whose brand is under siege from all other continents, and we can go back to the scramble for Africa in 1884-1885. We can talk about 1899 when Joseph Conrad published uh, The Heart of Darkness, dubbing Africa um, uh, uh, a dark continent, to colonialism and successful struggles our people across the continent uh, waged against colonialism, regaining their freedom, Neocolonialism coming up, and but basically all the stories are, are communicated across the world are, are, are about Africa. We're putting Africa in a very negative light. In fact, you'll even remember just in 2018, the former president of the of the United States, uh, President Donald Trump uttered that unfortunate statement about African nations and Haiti as being mm-mm countries, you know? <laughs> and, and in fact, uh, the University of Southern California did a, a study on the impact of that statement on, on brand Africa. And they realized that basically it took Africa back by over 50 years because all those misperceptions were brought back about the continent. So when I went to Italy, one, 
the minute you say South Africa, oh, Africa, and then, then you say, no, from South Africa, remember FIFA World Cup 2010? They say, oh, then you say Mandela, then they are homing up to your story. Where you say you are not necessarily distancing yourself from Africa, but at the same time, uh, I think Maxis will talk about the unity and struggle of the opposite. That principle says, uh, because we, every subjectivity, um, um, uh, embodies a, a, a number of of multiple identities. So I was saying, yes, I'm South African, even though at the same time I'm an African. And then from there, then you say South Africa is the most sophisticated uh, economy in Africa. Then they warm up to your story. But at the same time, uh, they were saying, but South Africa is very far. Then you say, yes, we are very, very far. We are the most southern tip of Africa. But at the same time, um, it's an overnight flight, and and that makes them feel comfortable. That yes, it's an overnight flight. In the morning, I'll be in South Africa. Then there was also this issue that I had to deal with when SA Tourism uh, had an office in in Milan with Lance Littlefield, where the 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 tourism agencies in Italy designed this expensive tour package where a person will land in Cape Town, then fly into Johannesburg, out of Johannesburg, fly to Sun City, from Sun City to the Kruger National Park. So that was a very expensive package. So as a result, ordinary Italians never thought they they, they will ever afford to fly down to, to South Africa. And then we break, we broke away from this approach and we did uh, interviews with the mainstream media where we said to people, in fact, South Africa is the cheapest destination because our currency is much, uh, uh, weaker than, than the, the euro, but also that, you know, what we call five, what, what they call five star hotel in Italy is what in South Africa we could refer to as a three star. Because our five star is at the level of a seven star in Italy. Simply because many of the hotels are, are owned by families. So for instance, I'll, I'll say to them, look at the, the breakfast you are giving us in your hotel. In fact, in my country, you get a full meal to an extent that you won't even need to eat anything during lunch. You will just grab a, a, a pie or some fruit salad. Then that will carry you up until in the evening when you have your, your full proper uh, uh, dinner. And this is what we said to them. And the numbers began to to increase of tourists who are coming into the country. But also that we also said to them, by the way, you don't need a visa as an Italian to go to, to South Africa. You can even book, book a flight tonight in the morning you are in South Africa. And by the way, don't allow the local uh, tourism agency to get you um, uh, someone in South Africa who's going to drive you around. As soon as you land and you are booked in a hotel, you speak to the hotel's concierge desk, 
they will be able to organize a tour guide for you. And this is how we, we managed to destroy. And when they came back, we destroyed the negative perceptions. Then we in, invited them in webinars and in seminars because word of mouth is extremely uh, important to love communication and also to build a, 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 a positive brand. So this is what we did. Yes, um, when there was Marikana um, uh, uh, massacre, that was a very sad moment for us, more especially that we have a very strong cohort of anti-apartheid veterans in, in, in Italy who belonged to the anti-apartheid movement. By then, it was even the socialist movement in, in, in Italy. And they were extremely um, disappointed in us. But I was happy that uh, the ruling party in, in 2012 uh, organized the International Solidarity Conference. And they invited the anti-apartheid veterans, even from Italy, who came and they were able to explain to them uh, what route we were taking, uh, that we weren't betraying our ideals uh, as a national liberation movement. But in fact, we were worried about, we were concerned about uh, the worries of our people. So it was that. But then... Ebola came, and then they'll say to me, I can't go to South Africa because there's Ebola. Then I would say to them, by the way, um, Ebola is in a region which is 6,000 kilometers away from South Africa. And that's why South Africa has never reported a single case of Ebola. But Italy has reported a case of Ebola. Then I said to them, in fact, I wish I could go back home so that I could be free <laughs> from from Ebola because in Italy you have already uh, uh, announced one case of Ebola. But in South Africa, we we don't have a problem of, of Ebola. And then from there... Um, I used to say uh, in my book, uh, there's a chapter on building the Mandela iconoclasm. Uh, Mandela is the magic word uh, in in our foreign policy. Uh, and I was so sad uh, last month when Brand Finance uh, issued their first uh, soft power index. And the world has, has ranked South Africa at number 34. And when I spoke to colleagues from all over the world, what could be the reason? And they mentioned the issue of, of xenophobic violence. That remember when there's xenophobic violence in one informal settlement or one township, then social media then distributes even uh, uh, um, violent um, uh, videos of many years ago as if that the, the, the killings were happening now, the bannings of businesses were happening now, and which is uh, a, a bit un- unfortunate because even with the, if you remember in 2010, immediately after the, the World Cup when the world loved us, unfortunately the, there was that hospital uh, strike and, and international media, yeah, 
uh, show beamed videos of our striking workers, trashing hospitals, and that sent a very sad message to the international community because those bloody images were undoing what we have achieved by 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 hosting the most successful World Cup uh, up until today. In fact, even if I will tell you, South Africa's uh, 2010 World Cup remains the most profitable uh, FIFA event up until today. So once you mention all this, and especially that Italians love soccer, the minute you mention uh, uh, FIFA World Cup anyway, it's unfortunate that Bafana Bafana are not doing very well, but you, you, but, just, you just took words from my mouth. You know, said, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so let's not talk about soccer. Well, so now let's talk about everything. Away from us, but but soccer, you know, because you know, yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Thank you very much. That's a very rich insight um, that you have painted, particularly around how. Uh, uh, you know, hotel or hospitality compares with the Italian. I mean, it's quite fascinating to hear that what you consider a three star here would be a five star or even a seven star. <clears throat> sorry, I beg your pardon. Even a seven star in, in Italy. That is quite exciting. But you also raise an issue that, that, that concerns me. Um, on the SA tourism, the extent to which, which in my mind, when they are creating these packages, they, they don't seem to align or engage the, 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 the you know, the ambassadors or consul general just to, um, uh, you know, have a, almost like a seamless kind of coordination that creates a, a uniform picture because, you know, you are obviously promoting and, and because people don't really know much about South Africa um, and how it has been, you know, projected, particularly from the cost point of view. That, that seems to have undermined the kind of work that you've done, one. The other issue that you've, you know, raised, which I think it was quite important, even though it was offset by the, you know, International Solidarity Conference, was the, the massacre and how the, mass, the Marikana massacre tainted the South African image. But on the same token, I want you to know the extent to which the lack of the state capture or the inquiry into state capture how has that tainted the image? Um, did it, you know, the fact that things are coming out, is it something that the international community is celebrating because nothing is swept under the carpet? Or does it reaffirm the very negative perception that, that Africa is dark, as you've, as you've pointed out earlier, um, you know, uh, and so on and so forth. So, so all of these negative things that are, that have happened, how far back have they taken the country? And the last point, as if you may, the last point is the role of media, how media could shape the narrative from the perspective of South African, not so much about international media feeding the globe from Eurocentric narrative, because it's very important that, that, that our own uh, news agencies have um, what the Americans would refer to uh, embedded, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I think it's called embedded. Uh, it, it just sort of escaped me. But there was something about 
how a new agencies ought to, you know, with all these independence, but ought to embed a philosophy which is in a, which serves or promote what is in the best interest of a country. Could you just personally take us through as we gravitate towards the end of the show? In fact, this is the the gap I realized whilst working in in the public sector, and I said, "I'm I'm resigning, and this is the space that I'm going to focus on, where I develop a credible, authoritative voice on Africa. Um, African story is narrated by." by foreign international networks, your BBC, your, your Russia Today, your China Today, your CNN, they are all telling an African story from their own perspective. Mm-hmm. In South Africa, we do have uh, Channel Africa, but which I suspect uh, the SABC is treating it like its illegitimate child. Uh, they are not uh, sufficiently resourcing it to be able to become the voice of Africa. And that's why then I established Brand Hill Africa to say I'm going to develop a new narrative and this new narrative will be talking to about brand repositioning Africa. And that's why I came up with a publication called Jumbo Africa Online, uh, which looks at the trade and investment opportunities accruing from from the implementation of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. By the way, people should know this agreement will be removing over 70% of tariffs or trade tariffs between African countries. And which it, it, it is doing this because they want to increase intra-African trade, which is now sitting at, at, at 18% uh, to 50% in 2022, but I would say with, with COVID, we are looking at 2024. But the other thing is that the African story has to be narrated by us from our own perspective. Uh, traditional wisdom says until the lions are able to write, all the stories written will continue glorifying the hunters. And it is up to us now to develop all these voices that will communicate a positive African story. Six of of the 10 fastest growing economies are in Africa. That's why the US is is interested in Africa. Uh, The UK post-Brexit, they are looking at investing their resources into the Commonwealth Association, meaning that they will assert their influence over us as their former colonies. But we are saying not this time. This is not 1884, 1885. This time you engage with Africa on the rules of engagement determined and designed by us as Africans. Africa is a combined market of 3.6 trillion U.S. dollars, and you are looking at a population of 1.27 billion consumers. So every product that is produced within the continent has to reach this market. In fact, every year conducts a Brand Africa survey that in 2019, they discovered that only 20% of the top 100 most admired brands in Africa are 
of African origin. I was depressed. Then last year, the number came down to 13%. Then that's why I said, I'm coming in to increase these numbers. Today, I'm working with young upcoming brands like uh, Made by Coco, which is a cosmetic company, uh, Cool by Simply African International. Uh, the, the comedian, uh, Mashabela Halani, has a Moringa jeans. So I'm, I'm helping them to package them in such a way that they will look palatable to all foreign investors, more especially that they are fighting uh, this all that already says this is from Africa at that continent. And now we are beginning to say, in fact, uh, Africa is on the march. Africa is, on the, is rising. Everybody has to be interested in partaking our brands. And our brands have to be positioned in such a way that they, com- they can compete uh, successfully against foreign brands that are dumped uh, in, in, into Africa. And this is what I'm saying. And this is what I'm saying to companies. Please do invest in, in, in the marketing of your products because you will never access this 1.27 billion, uh, market of, of consumers if you are, you are, you are seen by the customers, uh, uh, as being of poor quality. Oh, thank you very much. You've given us a food for thought uh, in, in in a most amazing way because you are a person that has had a practical experience, and I'm quite happy to hear. Well, I was quite excited when you said the reason, one of the reasons for your resignation was to try and 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 change the perception of Africa by ensuring that the narrative, the new narrative is being articulated from an African perspective as opposed to the current dominant narrative uh, which casts South Africa or Africa as a continent in a negative light purely because um, uh, because you need to be very mindful um, and we can't be naive that um, the, the, the international uh, news agencies, they've got their own vested interest. And, and until, and I like the, the analogy that you've used, until the lions can, 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 can redraft the script, the hunters will always be glorified. So, so Africa and South Africans as a whole needs to be in a position, um, to, to, to drive this public image, which by the way will constantly be under attack for whatever reason, because um, we know we've got inequality. With inequality, there are injustices, injustices. You know, all these socioeconomic issues would unfortunately undermine the, the recovery agenda. However, first then we've got a very strong media outlet um, that is authentically Africa and sponsored not only by one country, but multiple countries. We would be in a better position to change the perception of how the continent has been perceived to the point where the likes of Temin Galafin, for an example, who came to the show, I think about three weeks ago or so, painted that very uh, unpleasant picture. But as we, 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 we wrap off, um, I want to take off my head for you and, and really uh, I, I, I applaud you for the work that you have done and continue to do to change the image of the continent, to change the image of the country. Um, and that can only happen 
through collaboration. Uh, we've got High FM um, as one of your prospective partners. I would urge you to engage us from time to time so that we can find creative ways uh, of mutual benefit. Uh, and, 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 and the high listeners as a community would definitely lend an ear, particularly when you're dealing with intra-trade. We need to change that 13% to 50% to 70%, but that would obviously take place through structured collaboration that, you know, that show value. I think I'm going to leave it a little bit there and take this opportunity to say thank you very much for coming through. It has been absolutely beautiful hearing your voice. And, 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 and I certainly hope that the high listeners tonight as they were driving or at home, uh, and, and have really taken some notes, which they will challenge you and engage you in the nearest future. Thank you for hosting me. As a parting shot, I would say I'm surprised that, um, the unfortunate, uh, story about, uh, Tokyo Sehwale uh, is making uh, the news because we know it's a 419 scam. It's been there for many, many years. If you want the answers, go to Rocky Street in Yorville, raid all those internet shops. You will find people who are cooking up all these brilliant, convincing stories that you 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 can inherit from your relative that you never met. So, <laughs> but yeah. but you know, but 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 so here's an issue that I've got an I've I've got a bone to pick up with is that you do not go to any platform until your story is verified, you know, um, across the board. And that's something that I felt that perhaps maybe he jumped the gun. He got too excited, and and anyway. Uh, that, that's my submission because, I mean, when I did the numbers earlier, I was shocked that a person of that caliber, yes, we are also susceptible to scam, but, but you, 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 you have to get your thoughts, get your facts uh, correctly before you make any pronouncements, lest you embarrass yourself. That, that's my, my take.